0: Hi, everyone. I'm Marco Cudinelli, and you're listening to the Functional Tennis Podcast.
1: Welcome to episode 104 of the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm Fabio Molli, your host. This week I speak to ex-Swiss pro and 2014 Davis Cup winner Marco Cudinelli. I find out what he's up to since retiring from the Tour. We talk about changes in the Tour over the past few years, winning the Davis Cup, up-and-coming Swiss player Dominic Stricker, and a lot more. Before we get started, as usual, a shout-out to our great podcast sponsor Slinger. Slinger make the awesome portable ball machine, the Slinger Bag. And you can head over to slingerbag.com to find out all about it. Okay, here we go. Hi Marco, welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. How are you?
0: Yeah, fine, thank you very much, uh, Fabio. I'm like here, sitting in my office, and um, weather's been great outside. Finally, here also in Switzerland for a week or two. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, compared to my times on the on the circuit on the professional tour, I'm spending you know most of my office time uh, indoors. So yeah well, but new life, I guess.
1: How's that been since you retired in 2017? What's life been like since you retired? What keeps you busy?
0: Well, I have like a a few different things I'm doing. Like one of my main pillars are are tennis camps that I offer since my retirement for, you know, regular players, uh, hobby players of all sorts, all levels, all all ages. So, you know, we've been uh, we have like a couple of camps for kids but all the others are open for players of all ages, groups and, you know, last year we had someone aged 80 too. And, and I love, you know, that that mix and to kind of, you know, bring some, some insights to, to all sorts of players. And, uh, and I'm always like also the, I'm basically doing the, the travel agency kind of style too, for those camps. So I'm not just doing the on-court the work, but also like, uh, you know, the, the flights, the hotels, everything goes through me. And that's why I spend a lot of time, uh, uh on my, you know, my computer and, and uh, on the phone and yeah because I'm, I'm I'm organizing those really from scratch and then besides I'm involved in some in a golf championship as well that I organize for companies here in Switzerland um, I'm a columnist for for the newspaper here the local newspaper in Basel they are write about tennis so um, that's also you know on the computer and uh, but uh, yeah so uh, I'm still on court but uh, way less than before obviously yeah
1: you're really hands-on with your camps. Do people come from all over Switzerland, or all over Europe, or the world to attend them?
0: Um, well, uh, so far, have, uh, having I'm having almost just uh, Swiss clients, Swiss customers, and um, and then you know a few times some people from just across the border, mainly Germany. Yeah, I've had people from from Italy and France once, but uh, yeah, so far it's uh, yeah, it's still growing. But uh, yeah, my clientele is. Uh, is mainly from uh, Switzerland. Yes.
1: So it's a mixture. You do kids as well too. I say eighty-two-year-olds. That must be great to have people on people in the course who really want to learn.
0: Yeah. Um. You know, on a regular basis, I always said after my career, I'm not, I'm not ready. Also mentally, I don't want to be on court every day with with people who you know, who book their lesson, I don't know, every Wednesday at 6pm, and then, you know, maybe sometimes they're motivated, and then sometimes maybe they a rough week at work, and maybe their their mind is somewhere else, and, and I do not want to do that. So, that's why the idea came with the camps, because um I want them to be quite uh, exclusive, you know, always with top coaches, so I'm always supported by, you know, other former professionals that I know from my career. I had, you know, my coaching teams, Ivo uh, Legro, Elmas Monsdorf you know, like players, you know, who were better than me in the past, even, and, and other former professionals. And um, so, yeah, the the people who come to me, they, you know, they they want to learn. They're super motivated for those four to seven days, uh, depending on the camp, how long it is. And um, and I really love that, you know. And then actually, the the playing level, I don't really mind. I think you can teach people of of all sorts of levels and and ages. But I want them to be motivated. When I step on court with someone, I want them to you know to to really want to learn and, and to be excited about the time on court. And that works very well with my with with my camps because the people who are ready to invest in such a week, then obviously they they will be motivated from the beginning until the end. And uh, and this is why I do not. Um, I do not offer anything like you know like random let's say just normal tennis courses or classes. Yeah, I, I uh, have a few, re- a couple of regional kids that I teach on one evening per week. That's the only thing. But beside that, uh, I just do the the camps yeah.
1: And where about are they based?
0: Well. We've been, I started in Spain, first of all, um, in La Manga, actually, because they, you know, been uh, having a partnership with the ATP back in the day when I was still playing and I thought it was a great venue. But now, you know, the last two years I had to, um, yeah, be quite flexible with the whole travel bands. And um, so I built up much more in in Switzerland now. We're we're in, you know, such uh, so many nice places here. We're in Zermatt, which is, you know, one of the most famous places in Switzerland in the mountains. We're in Ascona. In the south of uh, Switzerland, where usually the, the sun always shines, <laughs> we say. And um, we're nearby St. Moritz, uh, which is a very famous and, and beautiful place. And then abroad, yeah, we're, I'm still going to La Manga, hopefully again next year, after we had to cancel this last year due to the travel bans. And then um, also now in July... In in three weeks from now, less than three weeks, I'm going to Halle, you know, to have a a camp on grass court, on the original grass courts uh, there, because uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, I've been living there for over 10 years, my my. Training base during my professional career was for most of the time was in Halle at the Breakpoint base. It was called there, and uh, therefore I know all the people very well, I'm also the ones who take care of the tournament, and um, that's why I was uh, lucky enough to to be able to book those courts as the you know the first group that can walk on those after the tournament so 10 days after the final we'll be there and uh, yeah I really look forward to that because it will be my first time we were planning to go last year but again due to COVID unfortunately yeah it's been such a mess last year we had to cancel in in 2020 but now um, it really looks uh, very good for us to
1: get there in uh, in less than a month Nice and you'll have to I only recently heard about this over the weekend we were talking about La Manga and we are talking about football teams going away in training camps and the, it was actually the Irish rugby team and they go to a place in Portugal in Val de Lobo where there's a training centre there there's football pitches rugby pitches and the gym leads out to it and teams booked them out for a week but I think from a tennis and paddle perspective it's quite good as well so I'm sure you'll be have a camp over there soon
0: well, oof. I don't know. You know, to be honest, I'm a total newbie to Portugal. I've never, I've been to to like 60 countries like uh, during my career mainly. But Portugal, funny enough, it, it has still never been on my list. So um, yeah, I really don't know much about, uh, about Portugal, although I practiced once for a year with Fred Gill, former top 100 player from, from there. But yeah, so far, no plans yet for Portugal.
1: One day, one day. And tell me, Marco, so you do a bit of writing for the papers this week with, obviously with Roland Garros is just over now. Tell me what will your main article be about?
0: You know, I'm not writing regularly, so I'm writing. My columns are always like if something special happens, then you know, the newspaper calls me and says like, hey, look, uh, what's your opinion about it? We would really love to know. And as I'm uh, from the same city, from Basel, like uh, Roger originally is, obviously Roger is always a big topic in, in our newspaper. And, uh, you know, his retirement last week yeah, was then such a thing that, the, you know, the, the paper called me and said, hey, look, we really need something for tomorrow, can you? And then... Uh yeah so that was what I wrote about not about the matches but um about my uh opinion on the on this uh yeah retirement of uh, Roger in in Paris
1: And can you tell us quickly if you want do you think it was good or bad or quite neutral
0: well it's been very special you know i think if if you if you don't look into the details you you could think like hey that that's a very weird decision but um yeah i kind of explained my my point of view i think it 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 is understandable if you really look into it and and if you look at the, how the season went so far for him what were his goals in in geneva as well as in in ron garros and i think uh, yeah having you know the big goal to to perform well in Wimbledon and, and maybe even having a chance for the title. You you definitely want to play some you know some on grass before, which uh, uh, yeah would have been difficult for him if if he kept uh, on playing in Paris for longer. Uh, you know let's, let let him win another match against Berrettini, which you know I think wasn't impossible. Um, then you know time would would have been very short, and we all know grass is very particular. You you need to you know adapt a few days, and especially him this year not having played. You know, almost not having played any matches, I think uh, he definitely needed those days before Holly starts, and Holly will be his only chance to get some brass court matches. So, you know, long story short, I think it is understandable. Obviously, sometimes I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm always trying my best to be very objective. But then, as he's a very, close friend of mine, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm always, uh, obviously, also in general, like, yeah, um, yeah, on his side. But I, w- I would always handle it like this. You know, if I really had to uh, be. Very, critic, uh, very critical about a decision of his, I would probably just say like, hey, look, I'd rather not write about it uh, instead of, you know, writing something I, I can't stand behind. I don't know if this translates in English, but, uh, but yeah, my real, my opinion was really, it, it is understandable. And um, yeah, so I was also able to write it that way. Yeah.
1: And, Tell me did you watch the final the men's final or the ladies
0: Unfortunately not I have uh, I've been looking forward so much to the semi final and I have been disappointed you know the Nadal Djokovic match that was just uh, yeah unbelievable I think it was one of the top three matches I've ever uh, I've ever got to witness. So um, I mean on TV, but uh, yeah, this this was very special. But then I've seen some parts of the women's final. They played exactly during the same time, like Switzerland played the the Euro, you know, in football. So it, usually I wouldn't have been watching, but I was a bit nervous. So sometimes I, I switched forth and back between the football and and tennis women's final, and then. Um, and the men's final, I haven't had a chance to see except the last one and a half games because uh, we're currently having Swiss team matches, uh, you know, all yeah. weeks, like from the best to the, actually not the best, but from the almost best Swiss players to the, the worst, you know, it's like everybody who plays team matches, we had a, such a league uh, team team match day yesterday, and um, I'm helping. And uh, you know, I'm I'm on the board in my club, and we have a lot of uh, good juniors. And I I try to you know go watch their games a bit and help them. And uh, so yeah, I was busy. Our match started at 2 p.m. our time, and then Djokovic match started at 3 p.m. So uh, we actually got done, and then it was five three in the fifth. So I was watching on my phone the last one and a half games, and that's
1: it. It's quite impressive what he's done. And do you think he can go on and possibly win Wimbledon, the US and the Olympics? Do you think he's a high chance of, of completing that Golden Slam?
0: Well, I actually haven't even thought about it. Obviously, I mean, theoretically, it's possible. But then again, you know, it'll be a lot of tennis to play. Uh, Wimbledon, Olympics and the Open is very, it's a very stuffed program. So, you know. Let's see. Obviously, from my perspective as a Swiss, as a friend of Roger, I hope that after Wimbledon, this is not a question anymore. But uh, <laughs> who knows? I mean, if someone, then at the moment, yeah, um, for sure he'll have a shot. But I think very difficult. I, if I had to choose, yes or no, I would say no because, as we saw in Paris, also, it's it's you know one bad day, or it it can happen quickly. And I mean, in Paris, he he won, but then there were you know critical moments as well for him, not only in the final, so. I think at some point, yeah, it's almost impossible to, 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 you know, win all those five tournaments without having any of this one day where it just doesn't work,
1: yeah. I agree. And you mentioned Euros, big night Wednesday. My family are Italian and a big game Wednesday night. Now, this won't air until after the match, but Italy looked quite impressive the other night. H- how do you reckon your chances are against Italy on Wednesday?
0: Oh, yeah, totally. I'm, uh, you know, our Swiss team... Yeah, it's been very disappointing for us the the match against Wales, but um we usually struggle not only in football also in ice hockey. We always struggle against the, you know, the so-called team whom we're favorites against. Um but against the, the good teams, the, the better teams when we have no pressure, we are always able to, you know, maybe get a draw or something. So, you know, I hope we can maybe get a point, but it'll be very difficult. I heard, you know, Italians played it very well, plus it'll be a home game for you guys. So, but yeah, I hope for a point, I think, you know, that's not, it's not impossible and that would definitely be uh, boosting our energy again, because at the moment, yeah, everybody's very disappointed for two days, you know, in, in Switzerland, also the media, and because we really expected to, to have a better start.
1: Yeah, well, look, hopefully, I, I, I can't say this time, hopefully you have a good match. I'm hoping the Italians <laughs> will get it done. But let's quickly, back to tennis. So you've retired now four years. Have you seen tennis has changed to, a lot like, or has it not changed when you look back at it? Do you watch much tennis on TV? Do you know what's happening week in, week in? um Well,
0: I've actually never watched that much tennis on TV. Even back in the day, I watched a lot, you know, when I, when I was in a tournament and I was always investing a lot of time in watching my opponents play, either, you know, watch them live. If I knew already who I was going to play the next day or then watch them online, you know, and, and uh, you, can, you can always find replays of, of the matches Online, so uh, I invest a lot in that. But just general tournaments, I, I've never really watched that much of tennis, unless um, for you know, unless the Grand. If there's something special like the Grand Slams, like I said last week, you know, not Djokovic. If I didn't, if I wasn't able to watch, I would have watched it on replay because I just wanted to see that. And then last week also, I watched the I watched our you know this uh, young guy Dominic Stricker, you know, who's up and coming so strongly uh, in the last couple of months. You know, I saw I didn't watch him live, but I've seen uh, that he won the first match, and I really wanted to. See see, uh, oh, okay, I, I want to see how he played, you know, in order to, to win that first round and then uh, the against Albert and then the second round against Hurkac, and I saw it was uh, a close one against Query, uh with match points. So um, those matches I watched all on, on replay because obviously I'm very interested in, in, you know, in Dominic as he's like our... Uh, one of our future hopes, but uh, just in general, other matches, I, uh, I follow the scores. And then if I see something like, you know, a score that maybe, you know, surprises me and like, then maybe I go into replay and, and have a look afterwards. But then usually I, I like to skip fast forward always to the, the crucial moments. Like I'm not the guy who sits like and watches for two hours, most of the matches, but I, I like to see what happens. At, I don't know, like you see in the stats after the match, the break happened at, I don't know, 4 all. So then I want to see from 4 all to 6-4, you know, like what happened there. You know. So that's how I watch tennis. And then what has changed? Well, yeah, I guess a lot has changed in the last one year and a half just because of the, the circumstances with, you know, nothing really being normal with, you know, all the, the testing going on and the, and the difficult traveling and, the, you know, the ranking that is still a little weird sometimes. But uh, yeah, beside that, I think we're still playing the same sport, and, uh, and the best players are still the same, the same ones. Yeah,
1: I think we could ask somebody from back in two thousand and seven or eight or nine. Has any of the top players changed? They'd probably say no. Join over 10,000 people who have downloaded our free match and practice PDFs over at functionaltennis.com forward slash downloads. Our match and practice PDFs help you plan and evaluate your matches and practices. We have some other free downloads there for you too. So make sure you go over to functionaltennis.com forward slash downloads. But moving on to Dominic Stricker. Sorry, I completely forgot about him. Have you practiced with him?
0: Um, actually not. Uh, I've actually never hit with him. Um. You know, four years ago, how old was he? He was 15 back in the day. I've uh, in my last year, the last year of my career, I've hit with a couple of of young kids when, when I prepared for my last Davis Cup tie. But um, I hit back then with the with the guys even a year younger, Jerem Kim, and with a guy that is probably like two years older. But with him, I don't know actually why wasn't he there, or um, or did Swiss days just like you know put the others on court? no clue but uh, yeah I have uh, that's why I also haven't haven't really seen him play that much so that's why it was very interesting for me last week to to see those matches
1: and yeah you said you haven't seen him play too much but you know what makes him special like what what do the press say I think if this week he's 280 in the world for an 18 year old he's moving quickly up the rankings
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, great story. I think 289, I think, because I just saw before we started our chat, I I saw it online, like he posted it. I'm following him online. I think I saw 289, um, which almost gets him into the qualities, you know of the Grand Slams, not 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 uh, yet, but almost. So hopefully he can you know manage until the US Open, maybe to to even get a direct acceptance to to qualities. That'd be great for him. And uh, yeah, I've seen him play live in I can't remember when. It, I think it was in April, either or in March. No, it was in March. We had a this ITF uh, 25 uh, event here nearby. And I was helping the the organ, the organizers a bit with with a few things and uh, and he was playing there like all the other good young kids were and so I watched his matches and yeah he played, played okay but he he got beaten I think in quarters if I remember well and it wasn't like you know that impressive I thought I thought you know it was still quite a you know a for sure, another year until uh, he, he'll be having a chance uh, against then the, the better players, but then or three weeks later he won that challenger in Lugano out of the blue against players who I've who played against uh, in the end of my career who I've known Like, what it's really for example Sugita was oh, such a tough guy to beat it's not a guy who, who has like those you know uh, sometimes maybe like, have opponents who who you know well they have some bad days they have great days but sometimes they're really easy to beat but I think Sugita is like this tough guy who's just like always trying hard and always moving well and, and making you play and really making you win the match you know he won don't give you anything for free and uh you know, beating him and then some other good wins that week. I thought, wow, that was impressive. And then again, I was I was surprised he followed up with, you know, great matches, quarterfinals in, in Geneva and now quarters in Stuttgart. So, yeah, just hats off. And yeah, I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't have thought he, he would be winning that much when I saw him play live uh, in, in
1: March. It's good to see these guys. You know, he's not the most hyped. He wasn't the most hyped junior out there. And he sort of just made this breakthrough now, which has been amazing. And we've been following him since probably last year when he made a bit of a breakthrough and yeah it's, it's really impressive so switch tennis is in good hands with him but going back to tennis is there anything you miss from your traveling days
0: sure the traveling for example <laughs> i always love to travel i love to explore a new places in the world and uh it's always been a passion of mine like uh, also one of the highlights uh, in my years since i don't play anymore was a, a trip to japan um almost two years ago now for three weeks just exploring the country i've been so many times to japan and always loved it but obviously when you go as a tourist you can even enjoy it more and and see more things so um that was like a, a total highlight so far since i stopped and um yeah so also during my career i loved traveling i loved you know having different cuisines and different mentalities around you and and um yeah so sometimes i'm I, I do miss that and then obviously sometimes I do miss the adrenaline, you know, a lot of times I'm also happy about, you know, uh just going to bed. Obviously I have also things in mind, but it's different. So um but those strong emotions uh that that you experience on court, I think um yeah, it's something that you I think but I think back to it with a smile. I'm not sad about it but then obviously I I think sometimes well you know they I hope that the ones who who are still living it that they really can appreciate it I think after you stop you I've always been aware of of having had a I think a, a lucky career choice Yeah, I knew that I was lucky to experience those moments, like when you play Davis Cup, or like yeah, it's just been amazing. But I know it even more since I don't have it anymore, obviously. So um, I once had a, a very interesting chat in, in uh, during our Davis Cup tie 2013 in uh, in the Nershotel against Ecuador. Yeah, we had to, to win that match to to maintain the league, which we did, and then the year after we won the Davis Cup. And the the, the president of the of Ecuador back then was uh, Nico Lapenti, and I had a chat with him when I was actually watching my. Uh, because I didn't haven't never seen him play before so I went to see the practice and then Nico sat next to me and then it was empty stands and we chatted a bit and you know I was asking him how he's doing and it was quite a while already he he stopped so early and uh, I remember he he told me back then like hey you know what just play as long as you can and enjoy it as long as you can because you know you, you can't go back and and you, you will find out one day, you know, how good it was. And, and this is I always, uh I always remember. I still remember that conversation. I thought he really nailed it there. And um, yeah, he, he was totally right. And, and I feel the same.
1: We get onto the Davis Cup in one minute. Before that, I want to ask you, you know, you hear a lot of reports about mental health these days. And you hear reports players aren't happy. It's tough out there. You know, they're on their own, traveling all the time. You seem to be the totally opposite of what I hear a lot of.
0: No, I think it, it definitely is a very special life for uh, the tennis players have and live. But, you know, I guess the same counts for other sports. You know, it's sport OK, the team sports are maybe a bit easier because you're never alone. So they're easier and, you know, you always have people around you, but they may be tougher. In uh, other things, you know, in a team sport, you always rely on the coach that lines you up, et cetera. While in tennis, you're, you are you know, I think that the great thing about our sport is you're really in charge of your own success or or, or or uh, yeah, or, or no success. <laughs> um, so uh, so there are also advantages, but uh, yeah, because you're always in charge of your own uh, yeah, winning or losing. Obviously, this is a pressure situation. We always we don't have a salary. We always know uh, that if we don't play well, well, we will lose money on a week. You know, maybe maybe not in mm-hmm. the, the grand slam nowadays, but I remember when I started playing the grand slams and uh, the quality of the first round. I think you had two thousand dollars minus tax and. In the main draw, it was in the beginning when I started like ten or twelve thousand dollars minus tax. I mean, you could even when you're on a main draw when you travel with a coach to to New York as an European, you would you know you would lose money. So I think um, today this is already so much better. I mean, the prize money went up so much. So you know, me having gone through I think a much trickier time prize money wise, and and the ones who are older than me, you know, they can say the same. Compared to my times, it was even worse before. I think uh yeah I think uh, they should you know should appreciate it and and be happy about it definitely being easier than than it was back in the day at least the financial part which causes a lot of the pressure and then if someone has problems like you know with being alone and, and can't cope with that type of living, then yeah, it's just difficult to to then choose this profession. It just comes with it that you travel a lot and, and you're a lot by yourself, and and um, you have to find solutions by yourself on court. So uh, then you maybe just have chosen the wrong job, you know. If you can't handle that, I think it's uh, this is how I how I look at it.
1: Yeah, it's definitely really tough but you can see why players you know by extending their career right now it makes a lot of financial sense with as you say the prize winning in the grand slams is so high at the minute even for winning a few rounds and so there's a lot harder things out there than, than winning a few tennis matches not that it's easy but if you're already there and you can maintain your body it makes a lot of financial sense if you still love it to keep going
0: yeah, I think, you know, most players love, yeah, they're like me, you know, they love their job and they, you know, they, they know that it'll be different afterwards. So they try to extend their careers and, yeah, uh, yeah, financial part is for sure one reason why people play longer. And another reason, I think, is just that, you know, also the way we train, I think, is for sure, you know, more developed than it was 30 years ago. So I think, the, and then the teams, many more players have, you know, they're traveling with the physio, which I guess, you know, 30 years ago wasn't the case. And, um this all helps to, you know, maintain a better. I think, uh, you know, to keep the, the body in shape longer, and and that's why the the players, I think, can can last longer nowadays than uh, than back in the day.
1: Yes, and finally, let, let's let's talk about the Davis Cup. You win in the Davis Cup first time in Swiss history in two thousand and fourteen. Can you replace or how do you replace those emotions or intensity or feelings of winning such a prestigious tournament for your country?
0: Well, it was, yeah, it was crazy. You know, we had that dream. We always knew we have a, a fair chance of winning it if if Roger was uh, was uh, on board because you know for so many years he it was always impossible for him to lose a match. But then. You know, in, in a lot of the years, he, he decided, uh, you know, not to, to put the full focus on it. And then without him, we obviously weren't that good anymore because we still had Stan. But then, you know, next was me. I mean, you know, I was quite a solid player. But then to win the Davis Cup, I was obviously not good enough, by far not good enough. That was just a fact we had to accept. And then uh, in all those years, I was part of the team for 13 years, from 05 until 17. And um yeah, my, minus the years I was injured, and the uh, uh, we had two two years where Roger committed, and this was in two thousand and twelve, I think, and fourteen. So in twelve, we lost to the Americans first round, five zero was a big deception, and then obviously in 14 and we were lucky enough to win it which was a huge thing i think after the victory we only realized how big it was because then i mean at least me but i think also the others were surprised how how much of a buzz it created in switzerland and and how you know proud and happy the people were because we're you know we're not germany or the u.s who win world championships and, and olympics in any kind of sports you know like we're small country and and, uh, we'd already be happy if our football team now in Europe would finally advance to a quarterfinal once you know or maybe to the semis but that would be huge so you know we're not used to to go all the way you know in in the big sports uh, very often Um, so yeah and we felt that for us it was just kind of like you know like you know Davis, we always thought we could win it. When we had Roger on the team, we knew, you know, it's, it's definitely an option. It'll be difficult, but we, yeah, we, we can win it. So I wouldn't say like it was normal. Obviously, it was huge also for us, but it was even bigger for, I think, the, the people, you know. And when we came back to Switzerland, there were like more than, you know, 10,000 people waiting for us on some square in Lausanne. And it was like, whoa, okay. It totally blew us away. And, um, and uh, yeah, for Roger and Stan, it was maybe bit, you know the crowd was a bit less special because they always have big crowds, especially Roger. But then for me and then Michael, who was on the team, also it was just a, a one one-time thing, you know, in our career. So that's been it's very good memories. Although we didn't play ourselves in the final. Yeah.
1: But you were part you were part of the team. You played matches along the way. And tell me, there was a few beers had that night, was there?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> Yeah, not only that night. We already had uh, plenty after beating the challenge in the semifinal, I remember. But uh, yeah, and also in Serbia when we won the first round. So you always have to celebrate when you win because we've had a lot of tough years. Austin Davis Cup sometimes when we lost uh, extremely close matches. I remember like once this, you know, seven-hour doubles against the Czech where well, we had a fair chance to, to win that tie as a surprise. But then we, we lost that long match. And then we, I don't know, once we got relegated in the Czech Republic, uh, another year where, with Roger actually, when we had match points in it, in the, the deciding doubles match. And, and once we got, you know, like we got relegated 5-0 in, in Kazakhstan and then actually everybody expected us to win. So we had a lot of rough moments. That's why obviously when you then are successful, you also have to celebrate it. And we always did that in
1: style, yeah. Nice, nice. And tell me, finally, something we ask all our guests is who have a lot of experience playing at such a high level, what would you say to juniors out there who want to be professional tennis players what's the number one bit of advice that you give them
0: Um, well I think you know as long as a junior you just have to always be sure that you really love what you do you know I think it's like we said before, I think it's it's a tough sport, you know, to do it professionally because you're you're always away from from people at home and and you can only really manage that with yeah with a good mental health. I think if you love what you do, so if already as a as a kid, you know, you, you feel like, well, you know, I play tennis because I don't know my parents want me to, or because I don't have anything else to do, or I think it's gonna be tough one day, so. Um, yeah make sure it's what you love to do and then obviously if it is what you love to do then try to just spend as much time as you can on court um this does not always have to be with the coach i i remember that we played so much as kids i can speak for roger as well because we did a lot of that together you know grabbed our bikes uh rode to the tennis club and just you know we got the balls and played like for three, four hours, and we played a set, and and the the loser would say, hey, I want a revenge, and the winner would always say, okay, sure, let's play another one, and another one, another one. We played until it was dark, and I think this playing like for yourself it just helps you also to then you know try to to find solutions, which later in the in in the professional career you also have to find. You have a coach and you can train on things, but then during the match, no one can help you, so you have to find solutions by yourself and. I think it helps when you're as a kid you already play a lot with friends and also you know maybe approach some adults in your club and say hey you want to hit with me once because then it's you know maybe they're physically better than you but uh, and again you have to find new solutions against new opponents so just use that on court time and um, and don't just spend time on court when there is a coach and, and you're like you know having an official training so I think that's uh, very important and uh, yeah make sure that you you're always on court with your
1: heart Marco thank you very much for that Uh, wish all the best with your training camps moving forward and appreciate your time thank you
0: thank you Fabio
1: hope you enjoyed that chat with Marco I'll be back next week and until then enjoy Wimbledon bye